Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome inside the Celtics Life Podcast. Today we're talking about a 3-0 week for the Seas, along with some surprises in the Eastern Conference. Plus, Luis Gonzalez is back on the pod. I'm Topher Lane here alongside my dude, Luis. Hey man, how's it going? Where you been? Full disclosure, so I finally did that thing where you like move out of your parents' house. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it's been a crazy, I want to say six weeks. Between like moving yeah. out and like all this like lease paperwork and all, all this crazy stuff that I'm pretty sure or some of our listeners are familiar with, but it's been it's been hectic and like we just got internet like a few days ago. So what's that like being back in the dark ages? Oh man, it's very humbling. That's for sure. Like <laughs> and, and it sucks because I went over my data on my plan, so I didn't have access to anything. Yeah, That's but really I happy. survived. I survived. I couldn't even check box scores, nothing. But I'm alive, and the Seas <laughs> have been playing pretty well, which is great. This week, they have been. <laughs> yeah, so we, uh, we've we had a lot of stuff up on the site, in part because it's been a pretty awesome week for the Celtics. When you and I were talking before this, you were saying that you could probably talk forever about Jason Tatum. So I kind of want to start there. How are you feeling about the J team and, and everything to do with with the young guys? You know, I've got to be totally honest. And I think this is something that's been mentioned on this podcast before. I'm not a fan of the whole, the whole thing where like, well, specifically I'm talking about, well, I'm thinking about Ben Simmons and how obviously he's putting up nearly a triple double on a nightly basis. I think he's averaging like 19, nine and nine or something like that. Yeah, he's and, got some of the best stats since Oscar Robinson. Yeah, is what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, he's he's playing very, very, very well. But he's not a rookie. I, I mean, at least I don't think so. He's been in the league for a year. He didn't play, but he's been in the league for a year. So you know, by default, the rookie of the year campaign is already being tilted towards him. <laughs> but my vote definitely would have to go to Jason Tatum because number one, he is an actual rookie, and two, he's really making this team a lot better, which in is crazy to think about. Yeah, in the absence of Gordon Hayward. I mean, he's 19 years old. What were you doing at 19? Uh, not professional basketball. 
<laughs> Neither. Most <laughs> consequential to what Jason Tatum is doing with the Celtics team. So exactly, exactly. Yeah. I mean, imagine what it's. It's funny because it doesn't seem like he's phased by it at all, at all. He's 19 years old, matching up against LeBron, holding his own against some of the best players in the world, and he's averaging what, like 15. 15 points and like it's like an assist and like five or six rebounds per game. Yeah, I think maybe good. more rebounds. I haven't looked at his stats yet because I don't like to look at stats through the first like three weeks of the season because I, I want stuff to kind of even out first. I feel like there's a lot of outliers in the first couple weeks. So I don't look at a lot of stats this early on. But yeah, no, he's doing as far as his averages, he's doing really well. And then just what you see on the floor, I mean, he's really been contributing on a nightly the basis. Only- yeah, the only thing I wish is that he were to get more touches. Um, really? Because, yeah, it, I mean, based on the very little that I've seen, again, I've been living in, like, the 1600s for the past few weeks, but it seems like he can be our go-to guy besides Kyrie Irving. Well, and so, okay, well, let's let's break down kind of what we've seen this past week. So the the vets have been the guys who have really stepped up in the past three games, especially against Milwaukee. So game two of the week, we had Al Horford and Kyrie Irving who dominated against Milwaukee, especially down late in the stretch. So, yeah, I mean, I would like to see that. But the thing is, is that we've got so many threats to score. I would rather roll through whoever's got the hot hand. And whether that's Tatum one night versus Horford another, you know, I would prefer personally to see that. But I think Brad Stevens, that's part of why the team's been doing as well as we have for this past week. It's because of just the fact that he's been playing just, you know, through the guy that is honestly doing the best. And that a lot of times it's Kyrie. A lot of times it's sometimes Jalen Brown. Maybe it's Tatum as well. But it's it's fun because there's you don't know who's going to put up the big points one night or another. Uh, yeah, that's actually a really good point. I think it's better to have a team full of guys where, like, you're, like basically you're saying, any given night, player X or Y can just totally go off. Whereas you have a team like, I don't know, what's a, what's a team with, like, one guy that can score, and that's it? Uh, New Orleans. Uh, yeah, exactly. You shut down Anthony Davis. Yeah, the New Orleans with an injured Anthony Davis. So Boogie Cousins against Sacramento was the only one who did anything. Like 41 Exactly. Points. So you, you game plan around one guy, you shut him down, and the team is totally lost. Whereas, you know, you have this Boston team where uh, Jason Tatum can score, Al Horford can score, Kyrie Irving can score, Marcus Smart has the potential, potential to go off for 30 points. Yeah. And the list goes on and on. So that's a good point. That is a good point. I, I, I do like... And it's exciting. It's like, who's going to show up tonight? Who's going to make that game-winning play tonight? And I think last night, if I'm remembering cor- correctly, it was Kyrie Irving with that, like, dagger three with, like, a minute to go, I think. Yeah, no, it was... And I, actually, a lot of guys contributed last night, which we're recording this on Sunday. So Saturday night, the Miami game is what we're talking about on the road down in Miami. So let's let's kind of step back and look at kind of the landscape of the East then. Because right now the Celtics at a 1-2 and two record coming out of Week 1, where they were 
limping, for lack of a better word, after the, the Horford, or not the Horford, the Hayward injury, they have resurged after a, a pretty long break between Game 3 and Game 4 against the Knicks and have come out swinging and showing that we have what it takes to continue to play even without our major free agency signing. But the rest of the East, Cleveland, for instance, is 3-3 three and three with losses to three kind of mediocre teams. The Nets, the Magic, and New Orleans, who crushed them last night. How do you feel about Cleveland doing this poorly for a team that everyone agrees is supposed to be, or well, a lot of people agree this should be the Eastern Conference champions? You know, it's funny that you mentioned this because this is something that I was thinking about while I was sitting at work earlier today. I am not sure why everyone still gets swept up in the early season, early, early to mid-season struggles of Cleveland. We've How many seasons in a row have we seen this happen where Cleveland gets off to this slow start or they're in the middle of the season and they're not where everybody sort of projected them to be and it's like the sky is falling, but they end up in the NBA Finals regardless. I don't think that Cleveland is a team that has to prove anything to anybody anymore. They can be the third or fourth seed and honestly... I hate to say it, but they would probably end up in the finals anyway. So f- for a team that's been to the finals three straight years, I don't know if game seven, eight of a 82 game regular season means much to them, regardless of the team they're matching up against. It could be the Brooklyn Nets or the Chicago Bulls. I don't think they get out of bed for these early season games. So I I wouldn't make too much of it. One thing I will bring up, though, and this is sort of irrelevant, kind of relevant at the same time, is Jay Crowder. He looks, I mean, I'm basing this off of his stat line, which I probably shouldn't do, but this is all I can see. He's only averaging like seven points and like a rebound or two or something like that. It's a pretty mediocre stat line. And I'm wondering if he's still sort of getting adjusted to the new scenery or if he's like still upset about the trade or I, I'm not sure what's going on there. I, you know, and, and this is actually a conversation I had had with a lot of people, uh, mostly Pistons fans, because I'm, I'm living in Michigan right now. And, you know, our discussion was that Jay Crowder, his potential was unlocked and almost peaked in Brad Stevens system. Rick Carlisle, who I think is a very good coach, could not get that out of Jay Crowder in Dallas. Yeah. I think of the three coaches, so Jay, uh, um, Rick Carlisle, Brad Stevens, and then Tyron Lue. I think that Lue is easily the worst of those three coaches. And if Carlisle couldn't do it, I don't think Tyron Lue will either. That's so a great I, point. You no, know, I'm just, I'm not, I love Jay Crowder. I think he's a great player. I have him on my fantasy team, which honestly with Cleveland, I think I might have to waive him eventually or drop him because it just doesn't doesn't quite work the way I want it to. And I, yeah. I think he's just better in, in Boston, in part because of the defensive scheme that, that Stevens drew up. He was dominating in steals for every year that he was with the Celtics. He was a defensive threat in every regard. I think he still is, but it's just not unlocked by Tyron Lue. 
or not I'm not sure if that's the right word but it's it's, it's not encouraged and no, that's not the word either but it, it's just for some reason you just can't quite get what what he deserves you know he's averaging only one steal a game yeah and it's and I, I mean I don't I don't want to assume that this is even come up for him but in Cleveland Jay Crowder is like the what the fourth fifth guy like in terms of like the the the, the hierarchy of the team you have LeBron obviously up top I would say next you probably have Kevin Love third uh, Tristan Thompson Tristan Thompson yeah fourth you got uh, so where does Isaiah are we just talking about healthy players yeah for players that are yeah healthy players right now yeah, next, yeah after Tristan Thompson what Derek Rose and then maybe Jay Crowder well, Derek Rose is out too and I, I mean I, JR is actually probably more I think Jr. Dwayne Wade. There are a lot of guys who just kind of have more pull than Jay Crowder yeah. does. They're just more established in, whether it's on the team or in just the NBA as a whole. So, like for some reason, Dwayne Wade just pulls more looks. You know, he's having a yeah. bad season, but he just is allowed to do what he wants because he's was one of the best shooting guards to ever play in the NBA, and that's fine. Yeah, not But I think that does pull away from Jay Crowder. Whereas in Boston, he was probably the three guy. Maybe I'd say two. Isaiah, Isaiah Horford. Well, yeah, I guess I guess it depends on what we're talking about, but like he was in the top five and he was a guy who got a lot of looks as far as when he would get the ball and, and when he'd be able to take shots. Again, I think that's part of that because of the system that Stevens created that really emphasized Crowder's talents and really used, I think, all of the potential that Crowder had. I think it maximized his potential in Brad Stevens' system. And I don't think Tyron Lou yeah. was going to do that. Yeah, absolutely. But like getting back to the original point, uh, sorry about the tangent, but so right now, who's number one in the East? I think it's Orlando. Orlando is like, I have no idea. You see, this is, this is the thing. And Orlando was one of the easily one of the worst teams in the league last year. So it's, it's really tough and we should be really, really careful with like, again, getting swept up in this like very early season, early season hype. Remember what happened? I think it was game one with Lonzo Ball. He put up a pretty lousy stat line. And then the next game, he almost had like a triple-double or if he, he did have a triple-double or something. Against the Phoenix so, Suns. But you gotta, still, you gotta, you gotta give some emphasis that. The reason that he did so poorly against the Clippers is because Patrick Beverly is a great defender. You're not going to be yeah. concerned about Josh Jackson or Devin Booker defending you right now for the Phoenix Suns, who already have given up on the season. So I, I think oh, you, you have to take Lonzo that out of the Yeah, no, I don't think I wasn't calling him bust. I was just kind of amused by the situation. No, no, no. I know, I know you were, but like that was the general consensus. Oh, look at this one bad game that Lonzo had. And I'm not a Lonzo Ball fan. I just have to say it straight up. I really am not. But I mean, it, it's it was one game. You can't call a kid a bust after one game. Okay. So it's the same situation with Orlando. I mean, they're off to this great start. Who knows? Maybe they put it all together in a few months. They've got a lot but of people I doubt it. that are figuring it out. I mean, they've got... Uh, yeah, I'm not optimistic about Orlando, but, you know, there are other teams that are not... I don't know. The playoff picture is such a mess in the East because there are so many bad teams. Magic might find yeah. their way to the playoffs. And, you know, these they're 4-1 and one right now. Those 
early season wins could make a difference in securing a playoff spot. I don't think they'll be in the top half of the playoff picture, but I could see him falling in like seven, eight seed, maybe. I mean, again, I, you gotta have to look at the hierarchy. Indiana's playing a lot better than I thought they were going to. Victor Oladipo seems to have a phenomenal situation in Philly or uh, in Indiana, and then you have the Sixers, who have been relatively disappointing. And I, I do want to take your your point with Lonzo Ball, and we were talking about this during the week. Markel Fultz is also a guy who has a ton of hype right now, or well, a ton of hype coming into the season, but with this strange shoulder injury and the fact that he just is completely screwed with his, his shooting stroke, he hasn't attempted a three yet this NBA season. Like, what do you think about Markel Fultz? Because I'm almost ready to say bust based on how Philly has handled the situation. Honestly, I, I would, I don't want to say it, but I would probably agree. And it's just... You just said that you can't base it on that much. No, but... but wait, 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 wait. And I, I, the only reason I say this is because he is in Philly. And it's very clear to me, after the past past few seasons, that Philly does not have the best team doctors and they don't really, they don't seem to be up to speed with just like general player management. Saw this with Joel Embiid, saw this with who else? Uh, I'm forgetting. Yeah. Okafor. Yeah. Exactly. So if he were on any other team, I would say, look, it's, it's an injury. Let him rehab. He'll be fine. But the fact that he's probably stuck in Philly for at least a few years, uh, it, it's the outlook isn't very good. And I feel horrible for him. Absolutely horrible because he shouldn't be in this position to begin with. Yeah, it's it's really concerning. And I've got a friend who's a, a Sixers fan. And I, I keep asking him what the hell Brett Brown is thinking playing him the, like these minutes. Because he played, I mean, apparently this has been an injury for a while to the point where he had to change his shooting stroke. And you just can't do that. That's not like you're going to get into bad habits if you start changing your free throw approach because your shoulder hurts. That could either exasperate an injury or it could just get you into bad habits of how you take them when you are healthy, things like that. But the fact that that was, in, I'm not sure encouraged is the right word, but the fact that that was even allowed by Brett Brown for as many games as it was is astounding to me. It's just absolutely unbelievable to me that a head coach would sit there and watch this happen for three games and then finally say, all right, we're not going to let you do this anymore, even though he's playing with this injury. And now he's going to sit out for a couple of games to get that figured out. That's just be proactive. You guys have been resting players for the last three years. Be proactive, sit him for a while, let him recover. And then, Hopefully that makes him continue to play good basketball when he does come back and not have to deal with this nagging injury that we saw with Embiid when he went out with his knee injury and then came back and played. Turns out that made it worse. Holding off surgery on his foot for like the second year. Stuff like that. Things that have just really hurt this team down the stretch and really pushed the process further and further back until they can finally contend. They're not there yet, but this could, again, push it off even further if they really thought, Markel Fultz was going to be such a big piece of that picture. You know, I almost want to think that Philly got swept up in the in the hype that was surrounding them this offseason, you know, with the acquisition of uh, J.J. Redick and 
obviously picking up Markel Fultz. You got Joel Embiid after the crazy season that he had last last year. They were hearing all this like, oh, wow, Philly might make the playoffs after God knows how long. So, But even that, that's so irresponsible because regardless of what the hype is surrounding your team, you need to manage your team. You got to filter all of that other noise out. And yeah, this was horrible mismanagement. And you put the the long-term career of a kid that's 19 years old in jeopardy. Because, I mean, we'll see what happens with his shoulder going forward, whether he's out for a few games, 10 games, 20 games, whatever. Maybe he has to have surgery. Who knows? But it's just such a bad, bad, bad look uh, for a team that, that already looks pretty bad. Dude's 19. He had to get, like, fluid drained out of his shoulder. I've never that's heard like of that. A, that's like an old guy procedure. I've never heard of that ever. For, for a 19 year old day. Yeah. So I, it's, it's crazy. I, I just, I'm very skeptical about how this is being managed. And my concern isn't how long he has to sit. My concern is what's going to happen when he gets back. Can he come back to that, that scorer that people believed that he, he would be? Can he return to that after like preseason games and regular season games of, of really messing with his shot? And he returned to that offensive force that he was in college. So I, I, I think I'm skeptical about Philly's ability to, to manage that correctly. And I'm really concerned for that kid's ability to continue to play basketball in the NBA. But the same level that Greg Oden was affected by this. And that's, that's a different situation because it's a big guy with knee problems that happens. But, you know, injuries like these early on can really affect your career. And especially if they're mismanaged, it can really, really affect your career. And I like Markel Fultz. I was really high on him when we had the number one pick. Before we traded it, I was pretty psyched about drafting him. We all were really excited about it in the podcast that we did when we got the lottery ball or the ping pong ball that read number one. We were really pumped about that. But with what's happening in Philly, I'm really concerned for what Markel Fultz is going to turn into, if anything, in the National Basketball Association. At this point, it's not looking very good. I mean, no. I, you know, and I, I hate to sound so morbid and have such a negative outlook on it, but like Philly hasn't done anything over the past few years to even give me a glimmer of hope. No, I think that their injury, so. their injury recovery. It's like I talked about this on a podcast, I think like six months ago. Golden State, part of their success has been incredible use of of managing injuries. They've been an incredibly healthy team in part because I believe their trainers are just really, really good. And it actually came from a similar system of Phoenix when Steve Kerr was the GM there. And I believe that there's got to be some connection because both teams under Steve Kerr have had really not a ton of injuries. So that's led to part of their success. Philly is almost the exact opposite. They've been nothing but injuries. And that's aided them in their process, quote unquote. But, you know, I mean, it, it eventually is going to be a, a serious issue when you have your star player of Joel Embiid, who can only play 31 games in a season. You got your number one draft pick, one of your like four number one draft picks, and Markel Fultz, who can't play because he messed up his shoulder. You got Ben Simmons, who's finally back, but 
I don't know what his foot injury looks like. I don't know what his what he's going to continue to play like if maybe that's going to start bothering him halfway through the season. It's it's just hard to say. And with Philly's track record, I'm just skeptical that's something that's going to continue to be or that it's going to reverse. I guess I'm skeptical that it's going to reverse. So I have no faith in them at all. Yeah. Well, so okay, let's talk about that. Well, let's kind of broaden this back to the Eastern Conference. I know you don't want to give a ton of credence to this stuff, but like Brooklyn is looking solid. Even without Jeremy. I, yeah. You know, I will jump on that train. And only because I think everybody sort of agreed, whether they said it or not, that they thought that Brooklyn would be horrific this year. Like, really, 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 really bad. You looked at their roster and you saw this more or less this lack of talent. Or what have you. They picked up a lot of good guys this offseason. And, like, they've been building exactly. impressively well considering that they have no draft picks or had no draft picks. Yeah, but I'm pleasantly surprised. And honestly, we're not in the business of rooting for, for Brooklyn to not play well. At this point, we should be rooting for them to play very, very well because then, you know, the the, the Brooklyn pick won't be as good. But if Brooklyn keeps playing the way that they have been this season, I don't think that the pain that, that they'll even be in the lottery. You think there'll be a playoff team? It's oh man, it's like I I want to say yeah, but they'll maybe sneak in as an eight seed. I, yeah, maybe. I mean, I'm not as optimistic for the Nets. I you know I, I think a lot of things have to go right for them, both with their team and also other teams in the east but i mean like i said earlier i mean the east is just a bad conference this year it's just it's gotten so bad with all these stars leaving the hawks are bad even the hornets are a questionable playoff team the pacers are bad the only teams that really got better and then were crippled by injuries were like the celtics pistons i think made moves Wizards and Raptors are the same. The Bucks, I think, just saw crazy improvement from Giannis, but it's like the Nets made some decent moves, and I think they got better while a lot of other teams got worse. Whether that makes them an eight seed, I'm not sure. But you know, it's it's and they don't have their picks, they have no reason to lose. They're gonna be playing maybe a little bit harder than a lot of the other teams that would be happier with a worse record. So I don't know. You know, know if the season if the season ended today, the Nets and the Celtics would be playing each other in the playoffs. Really? Yeah. Check that out. Nice. If you see, this is what I'm saying. Watch out for lockouts. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So, I do you think? Okay. So, you think the pick is maybe going to fall like high lottery, or well, low lottery, but like ten to fifteen? I mean. <laughs> Well, I'll have to re. Yeah, I mean, I'll have to reevaluate. Let's say thirty games into the season. Right now, the Nets have played six games. Yeah, but and, I, and they're three and three. Yeah, I could see them being like a thirty-win team. All right, so one, I'm, I'm, I actually pulled up the stands, uh, standings right now, and one interesting stat is that they're perfect at home and don't have a loss and don't have a win on the road. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if the fans care that much. I don't. I don't think their home court advantage is that home court advantage. 
I think that's just been scheduling. So, They've played like worse opponents. Yeah. So what are they going to at this? If they keep up this pace, they'll be forty-one and forty-one. I mean, sure, but I, again, I don't see him more than like a thirty. <laughs> you know, I don't see him. Yeah, I mean, again, you can take the small sample size if you want, but I don't see him as as better than thirty-five wins, maybe max, which would put them like kind of near the bottom of the playoff picture because in the past we've seen, I think, like. 38 to 40 win teams make the bottom of the playoffs. Maybe it'll be worse in the East, but I could see him like around there, 35 to 38 wins. And I mean, consider how many teams are going to be just god awful this year. Hawks. Yeah, especially in the East. You have the Hawks are definitely going to be worse. The Bulls are going to be worse. The Knicks are probably going to be worse. The Bulls Uh, are nine points last night. They got that's crazy last night. They lost like a 69 to 110 or something. Oh my god, that team is a mess, yeah. And that, especially in like the locker room with all the stuff going on there. So, okay, yeah, those those are bad teams. The Knicks are bad, the Patriots, the Mavs, bad. yeah. And then you go to the West, you got the Suns there too, you know. And I'm actually looking at this Western Conference, uh. These Western Conference teams. And one of the things, and I'll just mention this real quick and we can move on. But the Nuggets I saw were projected to win like 55 games this season. What? No way. Yeah, that's what I said. No way. And I thought, it seems like a lot of analysts projected this like incredible jump from from their rookies and just like just the team in general. But that's kind of wild. Well, I like their talent. I mean, the Joker is good. They've got the uh, the natural home court advantage because they're got the altitude and stuff. But fifty five is outrageous. You know, I mean that that's that's not even. I, I mean, I, I think they're a decent team. I, I see them at the bottom of the Western playoff picture. But um, talking about picks and stuff, though, and you you just mentioned it, the Lakers. Where do they fall, and then affect our possible pick for this upcoming draft? So we're, it's a two to five. Yeah, protected, unless it's two to five. It's like protected one and then everything past five. Six to three, all right. Yeah. Uh, I think they're going to fight very hard to not be in a position where they can be in the two to five. Well, they, I mean, just because they want to spite the Celtics. Yeah, I mean, do you think they, they're in the business of doing us any favors whatsoever? No, I, I don't know if they're... I mean, obviously they won't tank, they don't have their pick, but like, do you think they're in that bottom six kind of mold? Do you think they fall among the, the worst six teams and then also get the ping pong balls to fall that way? Or do you think Danny Ainge, I guess, gets the ping pong balls to fall that way? It's tough because they're in the West, so I think they're just because they are in the West and there's so many good teams in the West. I think they're probably an automatic out for the playoffs. Like, I mean, they're not they're not going to contend for the playoffs at least. But where they are in the like the rest of the West, I don't know if they're one of the if they're going to be one of the worst teams. What but, teams, so? What teams do you think are worse than the Lakers, the Hawks, the Bulls? The Hawks, the Bulls, the Mavs. Suns, Mavs. The Suns, the Kings. Do you think the Kings are worse? Yeah. Oh, I, for sure. I think that the King, the Kings made some good moves this offseason. They got, I, I think, all around a lot more 
going on. Maybe. I think I saw that they've won a... Yeah, they picked up Vince Carter, but they've won a game this season. And the Lakers have won two, one of which was against the Suns, yeah. <laughs> Man, we we like picking on the Suns. I am just they're just a bad team. They're just it's just depressing. They're pretty awful. But you have at least five, six teams that are worse than the Lakers. Okay. So then ping pong balls. That, that if there are five, six teams worse than the Lakers, then they fall kind of near where we want them to. And if it rolls our way, I, I could see us I could see us getting the pick. I could see the, the pick going to the Celtics this year. I mean, it's possible. It, I think it would probably be closer to four or five than two, three. But either way, that's a, oh, yeah. that's still great for us. Yeah. But I would, much, I, I think I would rather have the what is it, the twenty nineteen Kings pick because the Kings are going to be bad for a few years. I so. am not as sure about that. I don't know. I mean, I obviously you should never bet for the the Kings ownership. And that's that's always a bad idea. Yeah, but exactly. I, I'm, I'm still, you know, I, I I don't know if I'm ready to say that. I would almost rather get the the two to five this year from the Lakers. But that Kings pick is just top one protected. Yeah, that's why I'd rather get the so I, uh, the Kings get better, and then it's like all of a sudden the ten pick or something. It's like oh, that's lame. I mean, I know you can get gold anywhere, uh, like fifteen or something, but still. And I I think next year's. Draft is going to be pretty stacked from what I'm like early projections from what I'm seeing. I, I always it's so far away. I, I know that the 18 draft is going to be wicked good. I'm excited about that. And again, I as, if we yeah. fall in the top five, it'd be awesome. So I mean, I, I but do you yeah. think there's a way? I, I think if you think there's five teams worse, then they should fall sixth, right? And then it comes like sixth best odds at number one. I don't know exactly how it works. Justin knows the stuff, but that would be pretty sweet if we could get the the pick this year especially if it falls high and i think it's realistic you know i think if that pick if we end up getting that pick i i don't know how we ever say anything bad about danny ainge ever again i don't know how people are saying things bad about danny ainge right now are people, because, are people I mean, saying bad things about danny ainge right now because he looks like a genius the Isaiah Thomas trade looked bad. If we had really, that, really, really, really bad optics. If we hadn't done that and we also lost Gordon Hayward in game one, we would have Al Horford as the only like veteran on this entire team. Because I mean Isaiah would be on the on the roster, but he's still I mean he's not gonna be playing till like February at the earliest. We still don't know like that hit. Maybe. Thing. We don't even know if he's gonna come back at all like he did when he played with the Celtics for his two all-star seasons. Yeah. And he's, and he's getting, I mean, Isaiah Thomas isn't old, but he is, he is getting older. So injuries like that, especially for a basketball player, we've seen how they can linger. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly and really what effective. Yeah. And active yeah. listeners know that I was really concerned about, the entire conversation for a max deal with Isaiah because of the ability for one injury to really ruin his his explosiveness and ruin his ability to to be a max player, and we're seeing that unfortunately with an injury he sustained in the playoffs for the Celtics, and it's it's really awful, but you know it's just it's just how it kind of works and why I was skeptical about 
investing in that. And I think Danny Ainge made the right call in trading him for a healthy Kyrie Irving that's right now put us in the two spot in the East. Granted, six games in, but still, he's been a serious contributor in, in making that possible. You know, absolutely. I don't, I don't have any true knocks against Kyrie other than sometimes he likes to play a little too much iso ball, but he's, he's going to be great. I think he's going to develop under, under Brett Stevens very, very well. He's going to develop better or he's, I think he's going to develop faster and he will develop into a much better player than he would have had he stayed under Tyron Lue. Uh, so I'm, I'm not worried about that. It's just, it, it did look pretty bad, but you know, I, I think, especially with all the picks that we had, I think a lot of people expected us to have Jimmy Butler, Paul George, Isaiah Thomas, and like Kevin Love on this team, which was never going to happen unless all of those players took significant pay cuts. And that was also unlikely to happen. But I think the roster that we have right now is pretty good. And Danny Ainge obviously is not done. I feel like he, there's always that chance that he pulls something out of his out of his hat and we land another super serviceable guy or maybe a borderline all-star yeah and that's so we should talk about the 8.4 million dollar uh exception that we got for the injured player extension uh, exception which in the absence of gordon hayward we can now sign a guy for up to eight and a half basically eight and a half million dollars that is something that can be extremely valuable now that we actually have it approved by the NBA. Something that we may or may not use, but could give us that boost that Ainge is probably looking at options for. So that could be, and that's got to be a guy in his last year of his contract or something. I mean, this is where Justin is, is our go-to guy, but it's important and could make a, a very serious difference with this team in the absence of Gordon Hayward. Yeah, I mean, I've I've seen some some articles about some of the potential guys. Gerald Gerald Green seems like the most logical fit. So me, I, it, we'll see whether I think the Celtics have until March to use it. Yeah, March twelfth is the deadline for that. So they've got a while to figure out that stuff. And this also, I mean, you know, maybe they decide that to make a trade, they can use it as a trade exception as well. So you know, yeah. there's there's a lot of options for this. And, you know, I, mean, I don't think that we're in any rush considering we're seeing both the young guys, well, all the young guys, not just Jason and Jalen. We're seeing all the young guys really, really have great, just they've been doing great things for this team. So I don't think that we're in any rush to find a solution. But if we realize we needed to solve something, then I think we've got the option to with that exception. But I, I do want to talk about how the Celtics were one of the worst rebounding teams in the NBA and are now currently a top 10 rebounding team, which is really awesome. And it's made, I think that's part of why we have as many wins as we do so far and why we had that three and a week this past week. So do you have like any thoughts as to how the hell we got this much better at rebounding? Honestly, I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, Jason Tatum picking up, I think it's about, I, th I think it's seven rebounds per game. Aaron Baines has been huge. Al Horford has been rebounding better this year than he has last year, I think. And, and that's at least what it looks like. 
So you have three guys that are good for six, seven, let's say five to seven rebounds per game. And that's your discrepancy from last year right there. So I don't know if it's so much that the players have developed. I mean, well, I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's it's a combination of factors, but I think the two, the three biggest things have been the guys that I just mentioned, Al Horford, Aaron Baines, because this is the first time that we've had a guy like Aaron Baines since, geez, I want to say Kendrick Perkins. Yeah, probably. Like that, that, yeah, that type of like very rugged. Well, I guess Sellinger. Defend. Yeah, that's, yeah, that yeah. is true. He, he was, he was a good rebounder. Uh, but it, it's been, it's been a while. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess Sellinger. And who would have thought that? Yeah, and who would have thought that uh, Jason Tatum would come in and rebound the way that he has? No, I don't think anybody thought. He's stepping up, he's playing like he's a, at least a third year player. It makes me think about when Paul Pierce said that he looks like he's like in his like sixth or seventh year in the NBA. The fact that that's what Paul Pierce had to say about Jason Tatum back before the season even started. This was like training camp, summer league. And he had that to say and that he comes in and he's already playing at this level is it's incredible. It's really, really phenomenal for the team. And, it, and again, it's part of why we're doing as well as we have been. But I, I do want to randomly chime in with that. I saw that Selinger in like his first game in China had like 41 points and like 13 rebounds or something. So maybe that's the guy we spend the 8.5 on, <laughs> right? No, not funny. I mean, funny. I, uh, I, <laughs> I feel like a lot of people when they hear you say that are just going to cringe. Yeah, I feel like we just lost. I like Jared Selinger. Let's go, listeners. Yeah, I, I really like Jared Selinger. Yeah, I, I really did. He, he, he reminds me a lot and uh, I'm going to bring this guy up, and I think I swear this is going to be the last time I, I mention this guy's name. He reminds me a lot of Jeff Green in the way that he has all of this potential, but he can't seem to put it together for more than two two games in a row. Yeah. But on that note, Jeff Green is out in Cleveland averaging 10 points a game, which is kind of crazy. Is he? Is he actually averaging 10 a game? Jeff Green? Yeah, he's at, it's, I think it's actually closer to 11. It's like 10.8 per game, I think. I'm going to check right now. But I saw that and I was like, Jeff Green is averaging what? Wow. Well, and this will yeah. also be better. So Marcus Morris will also make a difference in this, who is trying to come back for the Spurs game on Monday. So it's That's like, actually not going to happen. Yeah, but that was his targeted date. What's what's the actual final prognosis? Do you know? So the last the last thing I saw was that uh, Brad Stevens said that he wanted Marcus Morris to get like one really tough practice in before he st- he he was put into a game. So the Spurs game is is not likely to happen. Whatever their next game is, it's probably the 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 most likely situation. Okay. Well, still. Marcus Morris will make a difference in that rebounding, probably. Do you think that Marcus Morris kicks Tatum out of the starting lineup, or do you think that Tatum has proved himself enough that he stays in the starting lineup? I think you keep Tatum in the starting lineup, and you have a bench and a starting unit that rebounds pretty well. And the with with, it, 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 I mean, you could you could go either way. 
you could make the argument that maybe Marcus Morris, you know, he's a veteran, probably deserves it a little bit more. Stick him in. You're good. You're great rebounding, starting five, whatever. And then you have Jason Tatum on the bench to, you know, score some points whenever the bench is, you know, whenever the bench needs some points. I think either guy packs a punch off the bench. I I think that Tatum... In a lot of ways, he's a very similar player to Marcus Morris. Maybe he doesn't have the defensive capability yet. I think right now, Morris is a better defender. But I, I would say that I, I would actually like to see Tatum stay in the starting lineup and put Morris on the bench to really add to that second unit, I think. But maybe that's just... And I think it's probably what Stevens is going to have to decide when he does actually come back. But it's going to be a relief to have another guy back on the roster who isn't a rookie. And I think there's a good argument to, to keep Marcus Morris out of the starting lineup just because he's coming back from an injury. And the last thing you want to do is re-aggravate an injury just for the sake of making a, high, a guy feel good by having him in the starting lineup. Yeah. I think you put him on the you put him on the bench and you sort of ease him into games instead of just sticking him in the starting lineup and then having to sub him out a few minutes into the game anyway. Which we have the you know? to do. Yeah. Yeah. And Jason Tatum has been averaging about thirty five minutes a game. Yeah. So actually that will be good. They he'll have less of a workload, Tatum. Because he's just has been yeah. I feel like overworked for a rookie. So the return of Morris will yeah. hopefully make that a little bit less of a issue and then he'll be able to take a few less minutes but he and and Jalen Brown have just been taking the brunt of the minutes so I mean they're young guys yeah they, 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 they can do it and neither of them have any as far as I know neither of them have like been injury prone so that's good I mean you, you'd hate to see a guy that's 19 20 years old being injury prone but it happens but these guys have been pretty healthy Right now, uh, Jason Tatum throughout his collegiate career in high school basketball, etc. Uh, and J- uh, Jalen Brown has been pretty good. So I think if if they're if they can do it, let them do it. But you know, it, it would be cool to see them play three or four, five minutes less per game, so that Jason Tatum is like playing, you know, thirty minutes. Jalen Brown is playing thirty minutes per game, something like that. Yeah, I uh, I would like a few less minutes for both, just for safety reasons. It just makes me feel better. I, yeah, we have the depth, but it's interesting though because we we have so much depth, and like I said, they're they're all young guys, but we're getting the glimpse of how they're playing against people. So like semi, right? Semi Ojalei, however you say his name. He Ojalei. Yeah, he did a great job defending against Giannis. Which was really great against the Bucks, and that was really it was extremely it was a big part of what helped that third quarter run that eventually kind of pulled us away from the Bucks. Yabu hasn't really seen any playing time; he's been buried in the depth charts, and it's been it's really interesting because I was expecting him to be really high up, especially after we traded Zizic. My best guess is that he's probably because he was he was injured. Yeah, Yabu during in the preseason, right? Yeah, no, he had to remove bone spurs, so he was coming off that surgery like in June or something. Maybe that's still sort of lingering, and they just kind of don't want to make a big deal about it. And you know, they're just kind of deciding to just play him less. Yeah, it could. 
while he continues his recovery. But I, I did think it was a little odd because he was supposed to be one of our guys, one of our more rugged defenders, kind of our Jay Crowder replacement besides besides Ojale. Yeah, and, and obviously. But yeah, he's been he's yeah, but he he's been non-existent. But I, I don't I don't think it's him. I, I really feel like his injury or like he, he may still be feeling the effects of, you know, recovering from his surgery, what have you. But because you, we've seen that he has all the talents in the world and he can obviously hold his own. But I don't know. I, I guess I'll give it another two weeks. And if in two weeks he's still sort of in the same spot, then I'll I'll grow more concerned. I, I, yeah, I think that's just where he's going to end up. I think he's the Jordan Mickey of this year's team. I think he just Ugh, he's a guy that we all oh, like and that we want to see do well, but he's just kind of buried for, you know, whatever reason, whether it's just that he can't keep up or, or what it is. But I, I just think that he's going to be kind of the bottom of the depth chart. I hope not. I miss Jordan Mickey. You want to know a stat that I found today? The Heat are undefeated when Jordan Mickey hits the floor, and they have have not won a game when he doesn't play. Yep. It's because he is the Heat. Yeah, I, I, Justin was skeptical, and I said it's the same reason that the Cavs lost every game that LeBron rested last season. Every time they rest Jordan Mickey, they don't win a game. So... I mean, right now, best player in the league, I think it's a toss-up between LeBron and Jordan Mickey. Yeah, I mean, Eric Spolstra, yeah, this this proves that Eric Spolstra is probably done, you know? <laughs> he, needs, he needs to be playing. <laughs> it's just poor coaching. No. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Other, do you think, so the, the whole just mess with the Suns and everything that's going on with Eric Bledsoe, the... Are, are the Heat part of that? I'm, I'm not sure if they were actually part of that, but a lot of people trying to find ways to trade for Bledsoe. I think the Bucks were the most serious. Does this change the landscape of the East if Bledsoe is able to be traded somewhere to the East? Do you think that makes the Bucks like a actual contender if they pick up Bledsoe? I mean, I mean, it definitely makes them better. I, I won't be, I won't pretend to be an Eric Bledsoe expert but i know that he can score that's for sure and he's he can score pretty much at will the i i I mean i guess having him on the bucks makes them a better team i'm not as high on the bucks as everybody else i mean giannis antetokounmpo i think will probably be the mvp i mean he's putting up 35 points per game uh, and whatever else, I think pretty close to a triple double per game, and he just looks like a different player this year. He's just a, he's just he's a different player. He's just better. He's just like his continue. yeah yeah. He's, I think he's younger than I am. I think he's younger than both of us. Yeah yeah. This is his fourth fourth year. Yeah, and he's I mean he's huge now. Yeah. I remember seeing him when he first came into the league. I mean he wasn't small, but like he's looking like LeBron out there now. But I think yeah, having Eric Bledsoe on the team makes them makes them better. If that I don't know where that moves them in the East. I think if you put if you put him on the Bucks, they're probably still in the same sort of like halfway contender like tier. But if you put him on, I don't know. It's it's hard to say. Is there anywhere you want Bledsoe to go? Not particularly, no. I 
it's hard to it's it's hard to say. I, I would have to watch more of him. I mean, I only saw. I only watched him play the few times I ever saw the Celtics play the Suns and the few times that the Suns were ever on national television, which was very rare. Yeah, here, I'll take him there. But, the like, what's, what's on the Suns? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you probably, go. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, could Philly pick him up? Uh, no, I mean, they could, but why should they? Simmons is killing it. They've got, like, a lot of deep. Yeah, players. that is yeah, true. They don't, they don't want blood, so I don't think. I mean, I, I I say that just because I don't trust the Markel thing. Yeah, but even that, uh, so, Simmons at the one. Markel is a good like combo two or backup one. So I I think yeah I so, think because Simmons is gonna be the majority ball handler on that team. Yeah, I mean he is. He's he's picking. He's playing that sort of LeBron role. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I. I can't. I don't know. I. I. I need to think a little bit more about it. But if he does move to the East, I just. I don't think it would be a, a seismic change. And unless it's a like a bona fide contender, like no doubt about a contender. I don't know how much. I don't know if whatever team he gets traded to moves to another tier. If that makes sense. I really like the concepts that Justin brought up when all this stuff kind of started falling out when he tweeted stuff and then got pulled and there's like discussions of trades was essentially a straight up Jeremy Lin for Bledsoe trade straight up between the Nets and the Suns because they both have very similar contracts and it would work it would really be what both teams are looking for because Jeremy Lin isn't going to be playing this year so the Suns can keep tanking and the Nets have a guy they get in place of Jeremy Lin who's explosive, he can score, he might push him into the playoff picture. Which, you know, we, we were saying they're on the fringe of the playoffs. That's without Jeremy Lin. They add Eric Bledsoe for essentially nothing because Jeremy Lin's already out. That could be a really good pickup for the Nets. Oh, I, that's actually a very good fit that I didn't think about until you just mentioned it. I think if you see... That's a different situation. I think if you put him on the Nets, a team that seems to be trending in the right direction. Again, I'm not saying that I'm not saying that they're world beaters just yet, but I think they're like they're a piece or two away from being. Uh, all right, maybe this team can make the like for sure can make the playoffs. They might sneak in. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think that. Eric Bledsoe might be that first piece, but they still need somebody else to sort of be in that conversation. But I think it's a good start. And I mean, at this rate, I don't see why the Suns wouldn't do it. Yeah. Because they're the Suns. Well, I think they want something. I mean, they would they would want something more than just a straight up player, is my guess. So I. I mean, they were asking the Knicks for uh, Neely Keita. And I forget what else. I think a draft pick. Yeah, and so like, which is crazy. Yeah, it's, it's like I mean, you could do that if you want to, but the Knicks aren't going anywhere anytime soon. So like, not a big reason for the the Knicks to invest in that. And the Bucks, I think they were asking for like some combination of like Brogdon and Henson in a pick, which you don't. Really That's not going to happen. Yeah, it's, it depends on how much they value their rookie of the year. You know, because I. Yeah, I don't know if they care about Henson, and I don't know if they care about draft picks. I think the the Bucks are trying to actually like win big this year, and this this like with this team. So 
I don't know. I mean, it's I would like to see. I think it'd be fun to see him on the Bucks. I don't want to see him on the Bucks because as I'm like a, I'm a fan of a team in the East, and I don't want that to be a thing that happens. But the Nets would be cool because that you know it'd make them better. It'd make that trade look even better for Danny Ainge. Finally, getting rid of that last Nets pick. Yeah, there are worse worse places for him to go. That is true. Let's uh, let's hit on the games from last week. Started in New York, won by twenty one. What did you have any major takeaways from that? Were you able to actually watch it? Because like the internet, does. I wasn't actually. Nope, I wasn't able to watch it. Just box scores. Yeah. Uh, which which sucks because I am I am in the New York market, so I easily would have been able to watch this game. Go on, man. Uh, but I, I did I did hear, and I am reading now that Jalen Brown did go off. Well, I guess he sort of went off. Three. That's 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 a solid. That's that's going off, and it's his birthday. That's a good. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, and I know that the defense on Porzingis was good too. Yeah, that was well. So that was. Horford, kind of. Horford has been wicked on defense, like all around. He shut down Embiid against the Sixers, the prior game, and yeah, everyone had actually a pretty solid game. Brown, Tatum, Irving, Horford, who had thirteen and thirteen, which was really solid. Even Danny Tice, Daniel Tice, had a good game, eleven and five. Rozier was good off the bench. So, plus, yeah, like you said, they they locked down Porzingis, so it was a good game. That's what you call an all-around team effort. Yeah. And then you go to the Milwaukee game, which was an all-around team effort, but the, the runt of the workload came from the vets in Horford, Irving, and even Baines, who all had like their best Celtics games of their careers, I think. Is that, is that, is yep, that fair I, to say for, for Horford? I Yeah, I definitely would say that. I actually was able to watch this game, but, well, the second half of it. And yeah, I I would definitely say I would agree with what you just said. That was I don't I don't know if it was the best, but definitely one of the best types games I've seen Al Horford play. It was and a great great contributions by Kyrie Irving too. But I think this was Al Horford's game for sure. He, he was a huge part in getting that ball rolling and really getting the Celtics energized going into the fourth quarter. He had that buzzer beater like alley oop layup going into the fourth quarter. So like he he had some really big plays that I think really got the team excited and really got them moving. And then pulled away in the fourth yeah. quarter in part because of Horford's contribution then too. So people forget that Al Horford he he's another one of those guys that can kind of just show up at will and when he does it's it's kind of hard to not notice him because he does a little bit of everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, especially in that game, so. he, he kept they did the exact same play back to back possessions where Irving drove and just found Horford in the corner. I think it was the exact same spot. And he drilled it both times. So he like for the left corner and actually both corners, and then right at the top of the key are just his sweet spots as far as three point shooting goes. And it's almost like he's automatic from those spots. And you saw that against the the Bucks. So it was yeah, it was awesome. I was so excited about that, and I was writing the recap, so I was really pumped about it. Then it's always great to see Al Horford just like totally go off. Yeah, yeah, and then the fact that he also was one of the, the core defenders on Giannis and was able to do a really good job, especially in the first quarter, that made a 
big difference in keeping the Celtics in this game. Yeah. And then even I talked about it earlier, semi with some good defense on Giannis in the third quarter. He finished with 28 and 10, but still was impressive, you know, with the defensive stops that we had, considering he put up like 30 plus when we saw him last week or the week before, I should say. Yeah. So. Exactly. I think any, it, regardless of what the final, what the final stat line was for whatever player, I think it speaks volumes when one of our guys can just kind of hold his own, even if it's for a play or two or three, but just seeing a guy that isn't playing too much, just kind of come in and not put up numbers, but just kind of change the course of the game. Yeah. Daniel Tice. In just a few possessions. Daniel Tice was a starter. Like, that's yes, he thing. was. That goes, that shows kind of what, it, I mean, firstly, we're going to have to experiment with a lot of rosters with just the injuries and just how many, rookies we have but that was cool to see him starting for the Celtics that game you know in a game where yep. you're going up against one of the best teams in the east maybe not by record but you know they, they are one of the most talented teams in the east and Tice got the start and you know made good use of his minutes it's always a great thing on to the heat we this was that was the start of the road trip. Actually, I do want to talk about the court, the like Mecca court. They played in the Mecca, and Kyrie was worried about hurting himself. It was great. I mean, it was a it's a 30, 40, 50 year old court. No, this was a replica. I know, I know. <laughs> I thought you were like also with Kyrie. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you like agreed. Like, yeah, yeah it's replica. No, but that's what Kyrie said. He's like, oh, they just put a fresh paint, of, uh, a fresh coat of paint on this old court. I, I, I just thought it was kind of fun. I just, like, enjoyed the entire conversation. And, like, everyone was freaking out about it. They're like, oh, my God. It's, like, more of the flat earth, flat earth stuff where people just were freaking out about it. Yeah. So, I thought that was fun. Uh, we back, we, yeah, it was Yeah, funny. went back to a normal, like, modern-day court in Miami on Saturday night and contributions from everybody. Kyrie, Jason, Marcus Smart had a good game. He also had a good game against the Bucks as well. Orford, who also had a really good turnout. So it was it was a solid game. Came down to the wire. You talked about that a little bit earlier. But you know, big good good win, especially to to finish the week three and zero, Rolling four games straight. And Miami Miami's a good team. Yeah, they, uh, I don't know if they're like a huge threat to us, but definitely something to keep our eyes on. No, absolutely. I mean, going forward, it may not be this year, may not be next, but I'd say that they, they will get better over the, over the years at the same rate that we're getting better. So definitely a team to look out for. Coming up this week, we got nothing but Western teams. Starting with San Antonio on Monday, right? Tomorrow? Yep, tomorrow. San Antonio. What do you think? Win? Loss? Prediction? I think it's a loss, but it's a close they game. They are coming off a of back-to-back. They're playing right now as we're recording. That affects? It'll be a win, <laughs> but a close one. <laughs> All right, fair. Play Sacramento after that. That's a That's win. That's a win? You think so? Actually, that's a, that's a that's a trap game. That's a trap game. Miami was supposed to be also. 
Well, the Knicks may have been off. I mean, Justin last week was was harping me on that. He's like, you got to know that because I I predicted two and one for this past week, and Justin was giving me a hard time. He's like, I don't know. I think we might be one and two. We're rolling, man. Rolling into San Antonio. We'll see. I I'm looking forward to it. But I, so I yeah I didn't know that they were coming off of a back to back. But I think because of that we may we may take that one. But I I wouldn't be surprised if we lost to San Antonio. Uh, I'm sorry, the Sacramento game. Okay, they're both at home. Does that affect anything? I, I like giving you I give you mm. more information as we're kind of talking about this. <laughs> yeah, you're making it tough tougher and tougher for me. Okay, I'm let, still going to stick with it. So Monday we got San Antonio at home. Sacramento at home on Wednesday, OKC on the road on Friday. I say we go two and one. Two and one. With the with the loss being, oh man, I want to say the loss is either going to be to Sacramento or OKC. I would, yeah, I'd say OKC. I think we take San Antonio. I think we take Sacramento, and then on the road, having won six straight, I think that we lose that game. Yeah, and that's fine. That, that's a good. That's a good two weeks. Yeah, and then actually, we technically have four games. If you want to count the East leading Orlando Magic on Sunday, so that's a big game. Big game. That's, that's a season changer that's right there. Spot in the East, man. This is <laughs> big game. <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd say three and one if you want to rope that one in there. Think yeah, I, 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 that's. I agree. I agree. All right. Anything you're working on now that you got internet again? Oh my god, I need to get my life together first. <laughs> and then I'll, I'll start easing into things yeah, again. We'll get you online, we'll get you back on Celtics Life. I'm sure your, your fans, your Celtics Life reader fans, are really, they've been sitting just refreshing the page, just waiting for your posts to come back. <laughs> Don't worry, they're coming, I swear. Yeah, you didn't even you didn't say goodbye, you didn't let us know you were leaving. Nobody, nobody knew where you went. You went my Sorry. Sorry, y'all. All right, well, check out the links at the top of CelticsLife.com. Check out all the stuff. We got the merchandise, shirts, hoodies, everything got in our store. Plus, you can get tickets to all the games under that heading if you want to go check out games, whether it's in Boston, a San Antonio game coming up. That'll be a fun game. Okay, see if for some reason you're in Oklahoma. Definitely check it out. Tickets at it. <laughs> and you can find the podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, and most podcatcher apps. Make sure you subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, we'd really appreciate it if you rated us five stars. Helps us be seen by other fans. Maybe we'll convert some people in Oklahoma City and they'll become self fans and see that game on Friday. And if you don't like something or you have a suggestion, We'd really appreciate it if you let us know in a comment on the Life article or on Twitter with the hashtag CLPod. We also post fun things with that hashtag because we just like to mess around on Twitter. All four of us, five of us, if you count Josh. We just want to bring you guys Celtics coverage that you guys want the way you like it. Anything else you want to hit on, man? Just happy to be back. Yeah, what the bad? Happy to be back. It's the Luis Gonzalez Pod. <laughs> we should have had like a, we should have played music to begin this. Like fun, like. Yeah, we really should have. You see, but that was, that was your responsibility. I was supposed to be surprised by that, but you see, you know, I, I was. We'll have to do another yeah, one. We got there. That'll be the. Yeah, we'll figure something out. All right. <laughs> All right. Sounds All right, good. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week. Thanks. Thanks, y'all. <laughs>
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.